Hello and welcome to the Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is Mary Jane Laurie and today I'm talking to Kim Walker about how your mindset can impact on your personal and business resilience and what that means for us as farmers. Kim Walker of Advanced Consultancy is a business coach and has recently worked with the Farm Advisory Service delivering workshops on insights and personal resilience. So good morning Kim. Good morning, <laughs> thank you for inviting me along. No, not at all. Can you start by introducing yourself and a yeah. bit about what you do? Yeah, um, most people in the rural community will know me because of the um, rural leadership programme. So for the last three, three years I've been one of four coaches, uh, one of three coaches actually, four groups, um, for the Rural Leadership Programme. But beyond that, I've also worked on the Resilience Programme with you and your, your colleagues, um, and I've done quite a bit of work in aquaculture. But really, what the work that I do focuses very much on individuals and how they lead their, lead their business. And that's my, that's my main focus. So I, I work with some people who just work on their own to very, very large corporates. What do you prefer, working with individuals? Um, actually, I'm really lucky because I've got a fantastic job and the thing that I enjoy most is the variety. Yeah. So everybody has got a really interesting story, everybody's business is different and everybody has got different challenges and opportunities depending on the size and scale of that of that business. So I like the I like the variety. So we, as you said, we've recently delivered a series of workshops on insights and personal resilience. Mm-hmm. For those that haven't done the Rural Leadership Programme or the workshop, can you tell us a bit about what insights is and what it tells us? Yeah, I mean, one of the things for any of us to be better, we have to really understand ourselves. So we have to understand our starting point. And what re- insights does, and it's one of many psychometrics, is it helps us understand more about our personality and our preferences and styles, and how we can use that information to really work towards those things that we're good at. Okay. Um, it also helps us understand the personality types of other people, and therefore how can we build stronger relationships in our personal lives and our families, but also how can we build stronger relationships in our business, whether that be with our employees, or our partners, or our customers, whatever it might might be. So it's a really, really great tool, and it's fairly intuitive because it's based on colours. So okay. people really like it as well, really engage. Yeah, it's quite engage. simple to understand, because there's four colours, isn't there? Can you sort of tell us yeah, a bit about those? Yeah. yeah, the principle of it at a very simplistic level is each of us is made up of a mix of four different colour energies. And those colour energies are fiery red, sunshine yellow, earth green and cool blue. And even if I didn't go on to describe them, and I probably won't go on to describe them, just by that terminology you get a sense of what that colour energy is. So for example, fiery red is very fast-paced, very decisive, very action-orientated, whereas earth green is much more nurturing, much more people-orientated, much calmer. Um, so every every colour energy has different strengths, mm-hmm. but of course each colour energy also has a set of weaknesses, and it's just helping us understand more about how those those show up in all that we do. So once you know what colour energy you are, and it sort of gives you a breakdown, doesn't it, of all your, and it's very personalised. It's yes. not just all reds are this. It, it yeah. has very detailed information depending on how you answer the questions, isn't it? Once you know that, how does that then help you in your working and personal life? How do you think? understanding yourself better helps um because it it really allows you so one of the things that I always do whether it be for myself or whether I'm working with individuals or groups is I always encourage people to look at the strengths page okay because very often the things that we're good at we're complacent about we just do them because we do them Mm -hmm. so actually bringing the spotlight to those things helps us really think about are we maximizing those are we using all of them to best 
best effect. And then thinking about our weaknesses mm-hmm. and not necessarily that we have to develop things to overcome our weaknesses because all of us have got strengths and weaknesses and that will always be the case. But thinking about them as risks. How can I reduce the risk? How can I reduce the impact of one of my one of my weaknesses? And that's partly about um, thinking about who else do I work with um, that might be able to compensate for my weaknesses. So, for example, your strengths might be my weaknesses mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we recognise that and understand that coming together, we work as a really powerful, powerful team. Yeah. The other thing about insights is it's described as opposite types. We tend to gravitate towards people who are like us, who think like us, who act like us and behave like us. And it's a bit of a shorthand for our brain, which is really helpful. However, life is not as straightforward as that and there are people who are different to us. So what Insights does is help us, us really think about how can we work, how can we build strong relationships with people who are different to us and how can we manage those relationships in a productive a productive way and that for me is the real benefit of it because none of us um, live or work in, iso- in isolation yeah. so it's really good to just think think about that. And do you think certain personality types end up in certain careers or, is it, or do you think that doesn't influence at all? Yeah and you will know from our workshops yeah. Mary Jane that that's a question that's asked very very often. According to Insights and other providers that use similar psychometrics, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So we can all be successful based on our personality type. However, in my own personal experience, I'll give you my, my husband as an example. My husband is an accountant mm-hmm. and he's very cool blue. Right. And, and cool blue, um, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is the analytical real dotting the I's, crossing the T's quality decisions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's that... Are we drawn to our careers because of our strengths? Yeah, possibly. Um, insights say we can be successful wherever yeah. wherever we are. Yeah, I suppose it depends whether you choose to challenge yourself or choose a job that feels natural. Interestingly, we did it um, as an office and all the consultants in our office were green. So we're all nurturing people. people. Uh-huh. And I think as a consultant, you need to have that sort of personality. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you couldn't be the opposite and yeah. still do the job, but to us, I feel it comes naturally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that obviously means we've got lots of weaknesses in our team that between us we don't cover because we're all of the similar yeah. similar type. But yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on a bit to resilience now then, what do you think it means to be resilient? Yeah, um, well it's interesting isn't it because there's a lot reported in the press about resilience right now because there's a lot of uncertainty in our in our world. And the charity mind says that one in four of us will report as having mental health issues and particularly at work that's where the research has been done my view is probably it's much wider spread than that Mm -hmm. and particularly there are some challenges in the rural sector that you know research has shown and the rural sector because of geographical spread because of people working on their own have have some of those those challenges challenges too so in terms of resilience I think it's about our ability to be strong in ourselves, and that's physically, mentally, and spiritually, okay. spiritually strong. And how do we manage that? How do we build that in a way that when we get those knocks from left field, we can bounce back? My analogy is always a bit like an elastic band. You know, the more we stretch ourselves, we want to be able to come back into that same, that same shape. And resilience is allowing us to do that, which will enable us to live healthy and happy, happy lives. It also allows in business for us to build those strong relationships 
and also make good decisions. Yeah. So why do you think that's important to farmers then, particularly? Because they, they'll often see themselves not as businessmen, but as mm-hmm. people that work in the countryside rather than, you know, like a corporate person. Yeah. So how do you think resilience applies to farmers? I think it applies to everybody, no matter what you do. I think it applies to everybody, but because of this podcast, you know, I think if you if we think about some of the challenges that the farming community, the rural community are facing right now, we've all mm-hmm. got Brexit. Yeah. But there are some particular challenges in agriculture and aquaculture being reported in the press. Mm-hmm. And in the press this this week we've got social trends yeah you know hear more and more and more about about veganism yeah and how do traditional farmers um respond respond to that and certainly the discussions that i've heard has been it's very difficult because very often there is no large budgets behind them large marketing budgets um so there is that there's also something to consider which i think is is largely unique to the farming community and that is very often the people in businesses are also the people in families so the two overlap now that brings great strengths yeah but it can also be some it can also be challenging sometimes yeah. as well particularly around really sensitive issues like like um, succession for example yeah. those are the sorts of issues that are apply to everybody but also apply to the rural sector and the challenge is is when our resilience is low we feel as though we've got the weight of the world on our shoulders which is absolutely exhausting yeah but also we find it very very difficult to make decisions and if if my business if my farm relies on me making decisions and I feel unable to do so then actually I'm not able to move forward I'm not able to respond to those those challenges so I think more than ever it's really important that the agricultural sector and farmers in particular think about how are they managing the resilience. Yeah, especially because a lot of them work on their own, but yeah. as you say, a lot of them work within families, so that in itself can put extra strain on because you don't ever get away from your work. You yeah. know, you're living yeah. and working all in the same place. Um, it's really interesting, Mary Jane, because one of the things that struck me coming through the Rural Leadership Programme is we offer the participants to one hour, one and a half hour coaching sessions. And that's individual, it's one on one. And I was startled by the number of people who have said, actually, I've just never had the time to do this before. To talk about me, to talk about what's important to me, to talk about me and my family and me and my me and my business because they don't take the time out to do that or they just don't have the time or they don't have anyone that they feel that you can do that so even even in a hugely supportive family it can feel quite isolating sometimes yeah yeah to to break down those barriers and talk about things Uh yeah okay so many farmers feel limited by external factors such as maybe where their farm is the soil type they've got their um you know prices on products that they can't control Uh how can being resilient or your positive mindset help with that because you know often it feels like everything's against you but you still get successful businesses in those locations or in those situations don't you so is that all down to resilient mindset do you think I think it certainly plays a part as this positive mindset you know we all wherever we are are dealt a set of cards yeah um, and we have to then deal with that and respond to that and if we've got that mindset of I can do something I believe that there are opportunities I believe that there is a there, there is a silver lining in every cloud. I will find those, find those opportunities. But that is almost starts with, and it sounds quite insel- self indulgent, but that starts with us as an individual. So if we manage our resilience, if we manage our mindset, then we're much more able to deal with those 
those things. Yeah. But we have to spend the time building those foundations in the, in, the, in the first place to be able to deal with them strongly. So how do you how do you start doing that? And what's your top tips for building resilience? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no silver bullet, right? And I think that's, that's unfortunate. I was hoping that, you would say this is what you need to do, and that's it. <laughs> there's there's no single thing that helps us build our resilience, but and particularly as as we get older, we recognise that we are all resilient already. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important thing. We've all had experiences, even young children have experiences that they need to step up from, they need to bounce bounce back. And one of the, the key pieces of, of advice is actually after those things have happened to us, the temptation is just to put them behind us and forget about them. Yeah. But the way that we can build a resilience is to pause and reflect on, well, what happened? What did I do well? And if I was faced with a similar situation again, mm-hmm. how might I deal with it differently? So actually that power of reflection can okay. be really can be really powerful. But there's also masses of resources around in the sense that the new economics foundation have promoted five ways to well-being. Okay. Um, and it's so simplistic, it almost sounds too simplistic, but it is the one that the NHS promote, for right. example. Okay. And it's really, it's really easy. So be active okay. is, is one of them. And none of these are in any priority order. The purpose is to try and get balance across across all five. But it's not about going out and running a marathon okay. or going and, 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 you know, doing lots of exercise. It is actually just looking for, for opportunities to be more active. So, for example, if you walk up the stairs in your house, instead of walking up, run up. Okay. Um, park your car a little bit further back in the car park and walk it's about doing small things yeah. but we were built to move yeah and we don't move and even farmers often. you know a lot of the jobs that we do nowadays are on tractors and it's a lot of sitting around you know there's there's days where you know my father-in-law can be plowing for 12 hours in yeah. the tractor and I suppose I guess he could take a break and get out and walk around the field or something just to stretch his legs is mm-hmm. that the sort of thing you mean then yeah yeah and interestingly a few of the farmers that I've spoken to have said that you know when they look back to their father or their father's father their grandparents it was much more of a physical job oh, yeah. than it is now yeah. that's not to say it's not physical yeah. um but because of technology and because of machinery yeah. that it's it, it's not an easier job but you know we are much more sedentary even yeah. in an active job like farm farming yeah. so it is thinking about how can we how can we move? How can we exercise all of our? Well, even when I was muscles. younger, you know, my dad used to do the feeding with a with a massive bag of feeding on his shoulder, uh-huh. and he'd tip it along the front of the cows. We've got a feeder wagon out there. Does yeah. it? All, you just jump in, and it takes five minutes. Yeah. And it's great because it saves your back. Of course, of <laughs> um, course. But ultimately, it's a job that takes five minutes instead of an hour of shoveling and loading bags and then yeah. carrying them around. So yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's easy. It's easy to see how you come can become sedentary without really realising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And particularly, I think, if your mindset is, I've got a very physical job, and of course it is, yeah. you can see how it can become, yeah. well, of course I'm, I'm moving enough. Yeah. But it's actually just building a little bit more and think about, what am I not moving? Yeah. So if I'm sitting all day, is actually getting up and having a walk around. Having a walk around. So number one is be active. What's another one then? Uh, number two and is connect. Mm-hmm. So really thinking about not the quantity of relationships because with social media, you know, we've all got hundreds of followers these <laughs> yeah. days and we follow hundreds of people, but actually about the quality of those relationships. And ideally, we should all have at least one, peop- one person okay. that we can truly connect with. So if I'm feeling down or I'm feeling low or I'm feeling really happy, I've got one person that I can share share that 
with. Yeah. Now, very often we say that's our husband or wife or partner or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but really the, the, the research says it should ideally be someone beyond okay. our immediate family. Okay. So someone that we can reach out to beyond our immediate immediate family so those connections are really are really important and of course we know particularly in rural co communities um, with the demise of churches and community groups um, social isolation is becoming a bigger and bigger yeah. bigger problem yeah. so that is really great advice just think about who are the people that you can call upon especially in farming because a lot of the jobs that you do are on your own and it could be a long day just sitting mm -hmm. in the tractor so when you're saying connection, do, do you think that needs to be face-to-face -face or could it be sitting on your, your hands-free while you're ploughing talking to a neighbour? Would that count, do you think? Or is it better to have meeting up like you would at church or a community group? Yeah, well, it's interesting because this is not part of the, the um, five ways to well-being, but there's some stuff around touch. Okay. You know, in our very politically correct society, we are nervous about touching each other. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you think about it, even as young children, we va really value that hugging our children yes. or hugging our parents or whatever it might be. Yeah. So I think, and the research does bear this out, that it's much better to have face-to-face. -face, yeah. But if your situation is is that you can't do that, yeah. then find some way of doing it, whether yeah. that be a call or... Call. Yeah. Um, it's much better to be speaking than it is to be digitally speaking yeah. by text or yeah. message. Or well, you miss out on so much of the tone and the, and, you know, the banter or whatever, don't yeah. you, about Yeah, so it depends on your situation, really. <laughs> and on the resilience workshops, we did a bit where you had like a, a, a target almost, so you had like an inner circle and a middle circle and an outer circle. That's Again, it's not part of the five ways, but it was all about connection. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a really, really great exercise, actually, because it um, encourages us to think about, well, who are the people that we're connected with and it can be quite thought-provoking so if you imagine it's a kind of bullseye and there are three circles the outer circle um, are those people that are our acquaintances okay so the people that I might meet on a fairly regular basis I go to my local shop okay um, so my local shopkeeper might be might be there I've known her for a number of years but we pass the time of day and not much yeah. not much more yeah the second circle are the people that I would consider to be my friends now what's suggested here is we've spent a hundred hours with that group of people right, okay. across our lifetime yeah okay. um, across our lifetime yeah. so they know us really really well yeah the real bullseye uh, are the people who actually we just trust implicitly so those are the people that when things are really tough, we can go and share that and we know that we will not be judged by that individual. And it's reciprocal. Okay. So all of these relationships are reciprocal. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really, really important. What most people find doing that exercise is that actually when it comes to that inner circle, and this is the thought-provoking piece, that they possibly, and even in their families, they possibly might only have one or two people okay. in, that, in that inner circle. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because there's a lot of work being done now by what's described as blue zones. And blue zones are areas of the world um, that have a disproportionate number of people who are described as super centenarians. Is that how you say it? Right. Um, who live older than 110. Oh, wow. Okay. And one of the key things is they typically have five people in that inner circle. Right. Okay. Um, which for me personally, I have to say, 
has been a real challenge because I don't have five people and yes. I've got lots of friends yeah. and I've got lots of great friends that I really value but I don't have five people in that in that inner circle. Do so you think that's almost a target to work towards and to build your resilience would be to have people that you feel you can share stuff with like that? I think that is what the research says. My own view and having to, spoken to other people is it's a very personal choice. Okay. Um, so those relationships take a lot of nurturing as you would expect them yeah. to. And of course, in a time where we all feel as though we're pressured yeah. by time, yeah. it's not right It's not right for everyone. Yeah. So it's finding the balance that is right for right for each of us. And I think that's that what comes from all of this research. It's not about doing any one thing um, incredibly well. It's finding balance across all, all five. Okay, so we've got be active and connect. Well remembered. <laughs> <laughs> Take notice is okay. the next is is the next one, and you know it's that saying of how often do we stop to smell the roses right. or the coffee, depending <laughs> on the, depending on what you prefer, um, and very often because of busyness, because of routine, because of habit, we just continue to do what we've always always done, yeah. and this is where I think you know the farming community in particular have a real opportunity, because a lot of the research says that actually being in the countryside. Being with nature, being outside and feeling the weather, even mm. if that's wet rain on our skin, yeah. there is something that is very positive in terms of our mindset and our well-being yeah. about being in those natural elements. Yeah, but how often do we stop and take advantage of okay. take advantage of that? And does that link in with you hear a lot of chat about mindfulness mm-hmm. and nature? Is is are they sort of connected a bit? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, that's I, I guess mindfulness has grown in popularity because of that. How do we stop our stop ourselves? And again, mindfulness is one of those terms, a bit like meditation. It's for some people, mm-hmm. and it's not for other people. Mm-hmm. Try as I might, I will. I just cannot bring myself to meditate. <laughs> okay. And I've tried numerous times, so yeah. it's not for everybody. Yeah. it's finding what is what is right. Yeah, so right farmers that might be to have a walk around their stock or something, and just really appreciate what they've got. And, yeah. and have a look around. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, or come in for the cup of coffee and actually take it outside and just stand outside yeah. while they drink their coffee. It can okay. be something as simple as that. Okay, so what's the fourth one? The fourth one is keep learning. I think there is greater emphasis on us now learning. And that's because we all have multiple roles and we all want to be effective in those those different roles. So I think yeah. we do do some of it naturally, but it's challenging ourselves to broaden our perspective and to be learning learning different things. And interestingly, Mary Jane, you know, I was I was thinking about our podcast today and thinking, well, what learning do I do? And a lot of what I do is related to this topic. Yeah. So, for example, when I'm in my car, I will be listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've always, I'm a bit of a book junkie, so I've always got a couple of books on the go at, the yeah. ta- at any one time. So I will have a a, a book mm-hmm. um, on this sort of that's related to this this topic. But more than that, it is just about thinking: what are we interested in? How do we fire up that fire up that interest by doing something, by reading? by talking to other people. So it doesn't have to be formal academic learning. It can be anything that you would enjoy and find fun. Of course, like the Farm Advisory Service events. Absolutely <laughs> like the Farm Advisory <laughs> to the podcast, of course. <laughs> An excellent way to, uh, to, to further your learning. So that's number four. And what's number five? Number five is giving. Okay. Um, if you think about Christmas time, very often 
and I think I've become more alert to this as I've got older actually I might not have said this as a child but as I've got older I much more appreciate giving gifts than receiving them okay and the principle actually is the same now very often people will say well I donate I give some money and that's the easy thing to do mm -hmm. but the most valuable thing to do actually is to give some thinking or give some give some time, time. okay um, and link th that to what is important to us. So if we understand what's really important to us, so for, for me personally, one of the things that is really important to me is homelessness, and particularly in young people, and therefore I seek to give opportunities. I do give a bit of money, but I also seek to give some of my time okay. to support that particular particular purpose. Yeah. I get huge satisfaction from doing yeah. from doing that. Even very, very, very small bits of time. Yeah. Um, and all of the research would say that I'm not I'm not unusual in that. Yeah. When we get when we do something for other people, we feel satisfied by it. Yeah. And of course I'm talking about charities right right now or, or socially deprived groups. But actually it can be something small that on a daily basis I look to do something to be kind or helpful to other people. Yeah. So it depends on where our starting point is. Yeah. And it's just taking a taking it a step your morale to do something that you yeah, yeah that's yeah. important to you. Yeah. So I guess for farmers that could be helping a neighbour out or volunteering with RET going to a classroom talk on farming or something like that. Or it could be something completely unrelated to agriculture. It could be. Yeah. yeah. Something that's just an issue that they identify with. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about it, we all want to feel valued. Yeah. We all like to feel valued and when we do it boosts our confidence and it boosts our resilience. So it's yeah. the it, it, it's the return on it's the return on that that's the value that we get we get from it. So those are the five five areas and they're not in any particular order. Yeah. Be active, connect, take notice, keep learning and giving. Okay. Okay. And the what I would encourage you to think about is I score mine, and I do it on a fairly regular basis, so very simplistic, one to five, where am I against each of these? And it helps me think about, well, what am I doing that is great, and how can I maintain that, or how can I build on that? Where might my I be lower, score maybe a one or a two, and therefore how can I bring the balance across, across so all So you're not five? necessarily looking to get five out of five or ten out of ten in the model no you're just trying to get an even spread an even spread but i guess if they're all ones you want to be <laughs> trying to boost them all yeah. a bit but yeah but yeah yeah and you know it's it is as i said at the <coughs> earlier it is work in progress because depending on what's going on in our lives um so for example i'm a runner i've ran my whole whole life i would consider myself to be very active but at certain points in my life um I've been so incredibly busy, the thing that I've sacrificed is my fitness. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not static across all, all of our life, and nor should it be. And it's allowing ourselves to accept that that's, that's the case. Yeah. It's not a reason to bring extra pressure to ourselves. No, you're not going to set your target of doing all five of those things every day. No. To try and, no. yeah, because that's just going to stretch you out, isn't yeah. it? Can you recommend any further reading or websites that people might have a look at if they're interested in finding out a bit more about this? Right now, I am a huge fan of Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. Oh, I love him. Oh, isn't he just, <laughs> isn't he just great? His podcasts are brilliant, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are really, really good. Um, so he's got three books. I have to say his first book, The Four Pillar Plan, is my personal, personal favourite. Yeah, it's good but, um, he's also done The Stress Solution and his newest book is Feel Better in Five. And the reason that I really mention that is because his 
his philosophy is that we can all improve our well-being, we can all improve our resilience by doing five-minute chunks of things yeah. and adding them onto an, uh, an already existing habit. So he calls them health snacks, which yeah. I just really like the terminology. Um, but in addition to that, he has a, a, a weekly podcast, which is really interesting. He yeah. interviews really interesting interesting people my the book that i'm reading right now is called why we sleep by matthew walker which is interesting because you know we tend to have a little bit of a badge of honor we value busyness Mm -hmm. you know i hear it myself i often Mm -hmm. say oh how busy are you are you really busy right now yeah so we value busyness and the sacrifice and all of that is sometimes our sleep yeah so what i'm understanding through this book is that actually sleep is valuable yeah and we need it to be healthy and healthy and well so that's one I recognize a couple of that sound quite wacky um and I read quite a while ago but I just thought I'd throw them in because of being different a mindfulness guide for the frazzled oh is that the ruby wax the ruby wax have you read it yeah I've read that too yeah much to my surprise and I actually had it as an audiobook rather than a proper book yeah um so she was the narrator of it (laughs) much to my surprise I really enjoyed it yeah yeah, I suppose she's that sort of personality that you can either love it or hate it. But what she said in that book, I thought was really good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, two others. What I know for sure by Oprah Winfrey. Okay. Which actually is somebody had asked her a thought-provoking question. So it's a series of that question, and the question quite simply is, "What do you know for sure?" Okay. And if you think about that, then it goes off in all sorts of different ways so it was really fascinating to listen to that and I've tried to answer some of that for myself Mm -hmm. and the final one um, Ariana Huffington um, was a very famous businesswoman very successful businesswoman who had a crash Um, and she talks about that in her book called Thrive so it's a bit American albeit that she's Greek it feels a bit American um, but it is really interesting in terms of thinking about where what where do we start to see the signs of our resilience dropping? What are the risks with that, and how can we respond respond to that? Okay. So that is that's some of the books that I would recommend, okay. and there's a whole host of fabulous podcasts as well. Yeah, I think well, Doug Avery was over was it last year or the year before, um, doing his resilient farmer tour, and I believe he's got a book out as well. So that's probably adds a bit of a farming spin if yeah. people want to dip their toe in a bit. That's maybe yeah. a good one to start with. Yeah. Doug Avery's book is fantastic. Um, and as his his YouTube clip, which I think was taken from some of the presentations, mm-hmm. but I actually look broader than the farming community because there's lots of great lessons we yeah. can learn from people outside the farming yeah, absolutely. community. Absolutely, yeah. What drives you personally? Why why do you do what you do? Why do I do what <laughs> I do? Um, in work, I do what I do because I love it. Okay. And it's interesting because well-being and resilience as a topic has become um, a feature. And probably in the last 10 years of my work, which has sparked my own interest mm-hmm. in it. But there are two other reasons. One, which is I'm 56. Um, I'm very, very conscious that we are living much longer. Mm-hmm. I'm very conscious that the NHS is crumbling under the pressure. Yeah. And actually, I want to live... I, I'm very healthy, touch wood. 
um, and I have a great life and I want to maintain that as long yeah. as possible and I realise that that's something within my control mm-hmm. I realise that that's something that I, I can influence so by managing my own well-being and managing my resilience and encouraging people round about me to do the same then that gives me a healthier healthier perspective the other thing is is that I want to be a positive role model for my family I've got children I've got grandchildren too um and what's really interesting is is that there's been a lot of research done on obesity as an example yeah um, and also mental health and obesity comes very much from health patterns right eating patterns Mm -hmm. and of course we learn from our parents so what we set out to do, the habits and patterns that we create for our family, are the habits and patterns that will continue in our in our family. Mm-hmm. So I've I've really taken that to heart, and I want to be a very positive role role model for my for my family. Mm, brilliant. So what steps do you take to build your own resilience then, Kim? Um, well, as, as I've said already, like many people, I am definitely work in progress. Mm-hmm. So I I do run, and I have always always run, and I do that. To be honest, because it's easy. I don't have to do it. Any I don't pro- find it easy. <laughs> it's easy, easy to do. <laughs> okay. It's not, it's not easy, yeah. but it's easy to do. I don't have, uh, I don't have to um, do it at any particular time. Yeah. I don't have to do it in any particular place. You don't need all, any equipment. or. Yeah. All I need is a pair of running shoes, yeah. um, which I always have in the back of my car. Yeah. I do focus on the five ways to well-being. Okay. I just find it so so simplistic yeah. that actually it's an easy test for myself. So I do think about think about those those things. The other thing that I love to cook and therefore what I've tried to do is I've tried to reduce the amount of processed food that I eat that we eat in our mm-hmm. family. Now that's easy for me because I love I, I love to cook and I love to find find new recipes. But our whole eating regime we're given much focus to. But I do try to eat a healthier healthier diet. Mm-hmm. And the final one is based on my current reading, I'm trying to make sure that I have the opportunity to sleep. Yeah. I'm not a great sleeper and I never have been, okay. but it's about providing myself with that opportunity and having some routines and habits that will encourage me to sleep even, even when I can't. What is success for you and how do you measure it? Oh, well, success is just about feeling great, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, being a vain woman, it's also looking, I think, looking looking great. In terms of proper measures, I'm delighted when they get on the scales and they don't shout, get off. <laughs> um, and albeit that there's no real evidence to support that 10,000 steps is the right thing to do, I wear a Fitbit. Okay. And every single day I make sure that I do my 10,000 steps. I at least do 10,000 steps. Yeah. Um, so I do that, I, I do that every, every day. But it is just about feeling as though I've got my life in good order. Yeah. You know, when I feel under pressure, when I feel my resilience is low, I'm more likely to be short-tempered with my family. Yeah. Um, I'm more likely to put off doing things. I'm more likely to make, make bad decisions. So more than anything, I don't think there is a specific measure. It's just feeling that I've kind of, am I, I'm kind of in a good place, whatever yeah. that good place fe- means at that yeah. particular point, point yeah. in time. Yeah. So thanks very much, Kim, for coming along and talking to me today. Have you got any sort of final comments or bits of advice on resilience for anyone? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting to you about it. It's just a fascinating topic. Yeah. Um, I think my advice is please take a bit of time for yourself. 
Yeah. Please take a bit of time to think about your resilience and how you develop your resilience. Do something because the benefits of it are massive to you as a person, to you and your family, and most importantly in terms of the context that we're speaking about, to you and your and your business, whatever that business might be. Brilliant, thank you. The Farm Advisory Service are running more events on personal resilience and there are lots of resources available on the FAS website. You can find out more about the Farm Advisory Service and the work that we are doing on our website www.fas.scot or if you need advice call the helpline on 0300 323 0161.